Clearly, somebody in this room murdered Lord Smythe, who, at precisely 3.34 this afternoon, was brutally bludgeoned to death with a blunt instrument. I want each of you to tell me your whereabouts at precisely the time that this dastardly deed took place. I was polishing the brass in the master bedroom. I was buttering his lordship's scones below stairs, sir. Why, I was planting my petunias in the potting shed. Constable, arrest Lady Smythe. But, but how did you know? Madam, as any horticulturist will tell you, one does not plant petunias until May is out. Take her away. It's just a matter of observation. The real question is how observant were you? Clearly, somebody in this room murdered Lord Smythe, who, at precisely 3.34 this afternoon, was brutally bludgeoned to death with a blunt instrument. I want each of you to tell me your whereabouts at precisely the time that this dastardly deed took place. I was polishing the brass in the master bedroom. I was buttering his lordship's scones below stairs, sir. I was planting my petunias in the potting shed. Constable, arrest Lady Smythe. How many of you didn't notice any? A lot, right? It's kind of crazy, right? There's almost nothing that frustrates me more than when I realize that I missed something, right? Have you been there? You had that feeling, you realized you didn't notice something that you should have noticed, something big. How about this, have you ever been looking for your glasses while they were on your head? Looking for your keys while they're in your hand? Using the flashlight on your phone to look for your phone? You ever been there? Well, we're gonna talk today about noticing others' needs. Before we do, welcome, I'm Mitchell. I work with our high schoolers here. And I just have to say I love my job. I love working here at Waypoint, I love all of the students, um, I just love it. I, I feel super fulfilled, I'm happy to be here, I'm happy uh, to be a part of this church. And I'm really glad you guys are all here. Um, one quick announcement, and I'm not supposed to do this, but Blair's not here and I have a mic, so I'm gonna do what I want. Um, but yes, uh, on September 23rd, so that's a couple Wednesdays from now, at eight o'clock we're gonna do a parent meeting here, here in the gym. So if you have a student that's in the, in the student ministry, and you want to just know what's going on or our heart behind some things, um, come. Or if you don't have a student and you want to know what's going on on a Wednesday night, uh, come on out. We'd love to have you. But before we get on, I just want to, I want to open in prayer. I know we just prayed, but I want to pray again. I can't ever have too much prayer, right? Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for uh, the opportunity to share your word. Um, I pray that as this service goes on, people don't hear my voice, but they hear yours. I pray that you touch the hearts, you reach the minds of everyone sitting here, everyone watching from home. Um, and I pray that they, that they leave having known that they experienced you in some way, your love, your peace, your joy. In your name I pray, amen. So we are going to look at a passage in Mark, uh, Mark chapter 6. Um, and the, the heading, if you're, looking, if you're looking at Mark chapter 6, the heading that we're going to be under is Jesus feeds the 5,000, but we're not going to be talking about Jesus feed the, feeding the 5,000. So we're going we're gonna to look at the way Jesus responds to his disciples. So what had just happened 
we're going to start in verse 30, but what had just happened is Jesus sent the disciples out to do ministry, so sort of like a short-term mission trip. Sent them out to do work, sent them out to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to preach, to teach wherever they could, wherever they could find people that would, that would hear them. Um, and then what Mark likes to do in his gospel is sandwich things. So we see that, and then we see John the Baptist dying, and then we come back. And what we're going to look at, where we're going to start in verse 30, this is when the disciples have come back from doing their ministry. And interestingly enough, this is the first time that the disciples are called apostles in, in Mark's gospel. And the difference between a disciple and apostle, a disciple is somebody who follows, somebody who's learning underneath someone and is following them, trying to, be, trying to learn to be like them. An apostle is someone who's called and sent out. So just Jesus had sent the disciples out, they're apostles, they're doing, they're doing the good work, and they come back, and, and this, is, this is what's going on. So starting in verse 30, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. So the disciples had gone out. They, like, they're working hard. They've been, they've been doing things, and they're constantly busy, constantly on their feet, constantly ex exerting energy to teach, to preach, to, to heal sick, to all this kind of stuff. And they come back, and they're tired. But if we look, I mean, if we're, if we're reading this, they're, they're coming back. They're coming back to Jesus, and people are still coming and going. So these people are following them back, and they, they're just exhausted. They haven't even been able to eat. So Jesus notices their needs. And this is something Jesus has done throughout his ministry, even from the very beginning, not just noticing the spiritual needs, but the physical needs of those around him and what they need. So he notices the disciples' need for rest, and he says, let's go. Let's get away. You guys need a break. And so this is what happens after that. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. So I don't know about you, but if I'm the disciples in this situation, I'm super excited Jesus just gave me a break, right? He says, let's get away. Let's go be by ourselves and just rest a little bit. So they get on the boat. They go across. They go across the sea. And there's people there waiting for them. Have you ever had that happen? Like, this, I feel like this happens to me every time I try to sit down and relax. Soon as I sit, like, soon as my butt hits the seat, the dog needs to go outside. So I go let the dog out. I come back. I go sit down. Now the dog needs back in. So I go let the dog back in, and then I hear, hey, babe. And Cassie's asking me to do something else that doesn't need to be done right now, but I'm getting pulled away again, right? Like, I did not get that time of rest that I thought I was going to get. But Jesus doesn't respond like that. He doesn't respond with like a, uh, here we go again. He responds with compassion. He saw them. He said, he said they, they looked like sheep without a shepherd. He saw their need. They needed to hear him. They wanted to know what he had to share, what he had to, to preach, to teach them. Enough that they ran around a lake to get there ahead of him so that they could hear this. And so he meets their need. And he starts to teach, he starts to preach, and he's going, he's going, he's going, and then another need arises. So let's look at the next, next couple verses past that. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place, and the hour is late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give, them, give it to them to eat? 
Now, denarii is like a day's wage. So they're like, he, here's what I'm, anticip- or what I'm like interpreting the disciples coming to him like, come on, Jesus, you really want me to go spend 200 days worth of, of work to feed these people when they can go feed themselves? I, I would like to give them the benefit of the doubt. I would like to think that they're learning a little bit here because in reality, they are noticing a need, right? They do notice these people need to eat. It's getting late. If they don't go get something to eat and, and go home, it's going to be dark by the time this thing's done, and then they're just, it's just not safe, right? So they are noticing a need, but I think they're forgetting something, and what they're forgetting is that they have Jesus with them. You see, the disciples are noticing the need. They understand what it is, but they don't realize that Jesus can take care of that. They can't do it themselves. And so when they try to do it themselves, when they try to meet this need by themselves, as they've seen Jesus do, it's just not what Jesus wanted. They can't really do it. So they have to end what's going on, end the good work that these people need so that they can leave and go get some food. But Jesus says, no, no, no. I want you to do this. Give them something to eat. So... It's really easy for us, right, to, to be in the mindset of the, of the disciples and think me first. To think, I'm going to take care of me. They're probably still tired. They didn't really get the rest they wanted. They're probably, they're probably thinking, I need these people to go so that I can rest. Because Jesus, that's what you told me you were, that you were going to give me. It's really easy for us to live this me first lifestyle, especially today. We've got an election coming up. Things are tense everywhere. It seems like you have to watch every little thing that you say because you're going to offend someone. It's really easy to just focus on yourself and say, I can't do it, right? I, I can't deal with all of you. I can't deal with these people. I can't deal with these issues, these circumstances. And so I'm just going to focus on myself. I'm going to work hard for myself. I'm going to make money. I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to buy what I can. I'm going to go where I want to go. I'm going to do what I want to do. But Jesus never did that. Jesus was constantly living a you-first kind of life. And so what do we do? I mean, how do we, because if we're looking at the disciples, they're with Jesus, and they can't even figure this out. Sometimes I think the disciples were, are literally just put in the Bible so that we know what not to do, or, like, it's a no-win scenario for them, right? Whatever they do, Jesus tells them they're wrong and teaches them what they should have done. It seems like if they would have tried to feed these people, Jesus would have said something else, like, well, you can't do this without me. You can't, you can't do it, whatever. But I feel like the disciples are always messing up. They're always doing something wrong. But it's so easy to relate to that, isn't it? It's so easy to relate to always doing something wrong, always focusing on ourselves when we should have been focusing on others. And so I think the first thing that we need to do if we're, if we're going to start living this you-first lifestyle is to look up. Get rid of our distractions. Literally look up from your phone sometimes. You ever been walking through the mall or the grocery store and somebody about runs into you because they're just on their phone? I feel like that's how we go through life a lot of times. Not just individually, but even as the church, I feel like that's what we do. We focus on the church and we leave everybody else out. We don't work on or we don't focus on spending time with others and reaching others outside of the church, which is what we're supposed to do. So we need to look up. Now, for me, this, is, this gets me in trouble sometimes because the, <clears throat> the way my brain works, I have to have two things going on at once. To focus on one, I need something in the background. So if I'm here at work and I'm doing something in my office, 
I've at least got to have music going, if not Netflix playing on my TV in my office or something else going on, trying to have a conversation while I'm still working. That's just how my brain works. I need that. But where that gets me in trouble is when I'm sitting on the couch at home and Cassie's trying to talk to me and I'm scrolling on my phone or playing a game on my phone. I'm listening to her. I am paying attention. I am hearing what she's saying. But she doesn't need that. She needs my full attention. And so sometimes we have to really get over who we are and the needs that we have and focus on what someone else's needs are. Now, once we look, once we start noticing the needs of the people around us, because that's just a start. Once we start noticing, we have to start leaning into that and learning what the real need is. Because there's times you could be having a conversation with somebody about their day, and they can be telling you what's going wrong or what's going right and how things are going, but they're not getting to the, the root of their need. They're not getting to the root of what's really going on. And you have to lean into that. You have to ask questions. You have to learn. You have to get to know them and really start a dialogue where you're digging through all the crap, all of the noise, to get to what the root need is. And so sometimes that means looking away from what you're doing with your time, giving that up, opening that up, giving that over. Looking away from your money, what you're making, what you're spending, and focusing on something else. And sometimes it's just literally about looking away from yourself taking your eyes off of yourself, taking your eyes off the mirror, and looking somewhere else. Now, once we've, once we've seen it, once we understand the needs, once we've learned and we've, we've built that relationship, we've created that bond where we know what's really going on, then we have to do something about it, right? That's what Jesus did. He didn't just see these people and say, oh, yeah, they're sheep without a shepherd. See you later, we're resting. No, he did something about it. He started teaching. That's not what he was intending to do. That's not what the disciples were expecting or, or intending to do right then. But he met the need of the people in front of him. And so you have to do something. Again, where I get in trouble here is I skip that second step where you learn. So Cassie will be telling me something, and I'll just want to, let's fix it. Let's dive right in and fix it. And that's not what she needed in that moment. That happens with every relationship. Sometimes we just dive right in and want to fix it, but really they just need to be heard and they're not getting to the root of that. And so when we're trying to fix or fulfill that need, we're not actually fulfilling that need. Uh-oh, my computer went off. There it goes. But that's difficult, right? Like it's difficult to do these things because we're all different. Like if everybody thought the same way that I did <coughs> or acted the same way that I did, That'd be easy, because I would always know what they're thinking, always know the root of the issue, what they're not saying and what they are saying. But we're all different. We all have different personalities. We all have different gifts and abilities. But until we start viewing those differences as not burdens, but ways that we can grow and strengthen each other, we're not, we're not going to get anywhere. Paul, when he, was, when he was writing a letter to the church in Corinth, one of his two letters, that's why we have 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, these people that he's writing to, are, they're struggling with this inside the church, not just as a city, but inside the church. They're struggling with understanding how each other's uniqueness and differences and talents and abilities, how they're different and how that can work together. Some are jealous of others. Some think that they're better than others because of the different gifts and abilities that they have. But this is what Paul says in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. <clears throat> 
For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. You've heard this before, right? You've heard this analogy of the church is one body, and we are all different parts. The eye can't say, I don't need you. The hand can't say, I don't need you. We need every part. But I want to illustrate this a little bit. So what I need everybody to do, if I have the house lights up just a little bit, I need everybody to grab something. A pen, your phone, your wallet, something, keys, something in your hands, and I want you to set it on the ground in front of you. Just set it on the floor. Okay, now what I want you to do, pick it up using only your eye. Nobody's even going to try? Thanks, thanks, Rob. You got it? Yeah, you can kind of squeeze a little bit with your eye. Okay, 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 okay. Thank you. Thank you for humoring me. Now try to pick it up with your feet. A little bit easier, right? But now pick it up with your hand. So we all have different abilities. We all have different gifts. Just because you're an eye and something needs picked up doesn't mean that you're useless. You probably are not going to pick that thing up. But... If your eye can't see the thing and know where to reach, it can't grab it. Now, you can kind of pick that, pick that thing up with your feet. It's difficult, right? Like, it's kind of like fitting a, a square peg into a round hole. It's, it, you can kind of pound it in there if you really wanted to. You could get the job done, but it's not going to be the most effective. The hand is made for picking those things up. So just because you don't have the exact gift to fill a need, that's why we need the body. That's why we need the whole church. And the more people we bring in, the more gifts and abilities we bring into this, the easier a job is to do. Because even picking that up, your foot kind of leans or you're using it to balance yourself. You're using your whole body to reach forward and pick that up. You need the whole body around you to do something. You need everyone in the church, their abilities, their gifts, their personalities to reach every other person outside of the church to bring them in. To meet a need of everyone else. Does that make sense? Can I get that? <clears throat> so I think when Paul explains this, there's a couple things we need to know, we need to do. First, we need to know our role. You need to know what your role is. Now, this is like, this would be really easy to do a whole sermon series on, just knowing who you are in Christ, what your role is, what your gifts and abilities are. And so I can't get into that too much right now. And I don't want to focus on it too much because I want to get to the next part. With knowing your role, you need to fulfill your role. So once you understand what your gifts and abilities are, once you start to see some of those, you need to use them. Because God give, gave them to you to use. And I think the most important thing, and the thing we need most of all right now, and the thing we don't do a lot of the times, is supporting each other's role. So just because you can't do something, you don't have that ability and someone else can, that doesn't make them better than you. There's no need to be self-conscious about that. Build them up. Encourage them in that role, whatever it is. Whether, yeah, whether you can speak, and I'll, I'll say the jury's still out on me being able to speak in front of people. Whether you are really good at serving in the background, setting up chairs, tearing down chairs, organizing an event, planning, doing the detail stuff, 
working with high school students? Anybody? You can come talk to me afterwards. I'd love, I'd love for you to use that gift and ability. Whatever it is, support each other in that. Just because you can't doesn't mean that you're a failure or you're any less. So support others, encourage them in that. Now, Peter, Peter was one of Jesus' disciples. Peter is probably the disciple that messed up the most. He's the one that denied Jesus three times. He's the one that tried to walk on water and fell. He's the one that cut somebody's ear off. He, like, Peter's a screw-up. That's just who he is. But he figured it out, I think, later in life. And so I want to read you something that he wrote in his letter. So this is 1 Peter 4.10. 10 and 11, actually. He says, as each received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to bring him glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That's the goal, right? Whatever you're doing, whatever your gift is, give it back to God. Use it as God intended you to use it to serve others so that God gets the glory for it. Not so that you get the glory. Not so that you look good. So if you're really good at, I don't know, if you're really good at setting up chairs, don't wave at everybody. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm setting up chairs. What, what, like, that's not the point. The point is for you to give the glory back to God. So set up the chairs and get, get out of the way so that people can experience whatever they're trying to sit down and experience. <clears throat> My hope with this is, like, this is not groundbreaking, right? Like, nothing I'm saying is groundbreaking. Nothing I'm saying is new. But my hope is that this reminder, this reminder of how to live you first, points you towards Jesus, gets you one step closer back in line with Jesus so that you can start living and looking like him. Because all throughout, all throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus doing this. We see Jesus serving and meeting the needs of everyone he comes in contact with. Whether they need food, they need healing, they need saving, they need preaching, whatever it is, he's there to meet the needs. Whatever he's got going on, I'm sure he was tired a lot, but he's there to live you first. Because if you're willing to live a life you first instead of me first, not only will the people you're touching, will their life change, but your life will change. You will get closer with Jesus through this. You will start to look and act more like him, and that will just create that bond even stronger. I think it's, I think it's really interesting the way that Jesus met the need of the disciples, right? So if we're going back to the beginning here, he told the disciples, let's get away. You need rest. Now, they rested on that boat. He gave them that rest. But as soon as they landed, it's right back into ministry, right? It's right back into the work. You see, Jesus tells us he'll give us what we need. But I think what he's also telling us with that example is this work is more important than your complete rest. Yes, you need to take time for yourself. You need to make sure you're healthy. But God doesn't say, Jesus doesn't say, you're going to have a season where you don't have to do ministry. You're going to have a season where you don't have to put others first. He doesn't say that. He doesn't even say you're going to have a week off of that or a day off of that. They had a couple hours to go across the lake. But that was enough for them 
Whether they thought so or not, that was enough for them to continue their ministry. And just because you're not in vocational ministry, you're not working at a church, does not mean that you are not called to do ministry. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you're a believer, you are called to go and do ministry. You are called to be an apostle and go and do ministry. So here's my challenge to you this week. I want you to start by just noticing. Look away from yourself. Look away from what you've got going on and just notice others' needs. Now, I would love it if you dove into those and you started doing something about the needs that you see. But let's just start with this. Let's just start with noticing the needs of everyone around you. Whether that's the person who's going 63 on the highway in the left lane and you can't pass them, or it's the person in the grocery store not wearing their mask, or whoever. Person in the cubicle next to you who's playing their music too loud and there's music you don't care about and you don't like. Whatever it is, start noticing the needs of everyone around you. How many do you think you'd notice this week? Five? Ten? Fifty? A hundred? And so I would encourage you to start writing them down, too. Create a note in your phone, write that person's name and what their need is. And then take some time every night and look over that, pray through it, and ask God how you can fulfill that need. How he can use you, what gifts and abilities, talents that you have, that you can help with that. That you can go and do. I'm, I'm interested. I'm going to do this this week. This was, that challenge right there was something I just added in last night. And so I'm going to do that. I'm going to go through this week, and I'm going to write every need down that I find. And I'm just kind of curious to see how many we get. So come see me next week. Let me know how many you got. I'm just interested. See how many you notice. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this morning. Again, thank you um, for just showing up. We know that you're here. We know that you're present. We know that you want us to notice these needs. You, you want us to be like you were and be like you are, noticing and leaning into and then meeting the needs of those around us. Help us as a church, as a body, to come together, build each other up, help develop each other's gifts and abilities and personalities so that we as a body can be even stronger so that we as a body can meet more needs of those around us. Lord, help us to live you first rather than me first. In your name I pray.